version 2 is out and Bookler sells. But where can you hear one? Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the Pocket Track W24 and C24 pocket recorders. The smallest, most portable 24-bit 96K recorders available today. Hello everybody, uh, welcome to Sonic Talk number 253, recording today live on Wednesday the 1st of February. Uh, be uh, available on all good pod feeds um, shortly. In fact, uh, I am supposed to be putting this on um, on SoundCloud. I met with the SoundCloud people at NAM, and they said, yeah, we'll give you a pro account, we'll get you set up, we'll import all your old things. I'm just waiting for that to all work out. So that means everything will be served from SoundCloud in the future. That's the idea. So that might be kind of fun and might be better. <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm hoping so, because I really like their commenting system and everything. So anyway, we'll say uh, welcome to those in the chat room. We've got a bit of a nice, fulsome chat room. Uh, nice to see you all here. Obviously, this is the first week after the day after NAM, as it were. So I'm going to hit my uh, my Skype button and say hello to uh, my Skypees there. Um, Skype last week, um, for some reason, just didn't work at all. We couldn't do any group video. And this week, it's just not very good quality. So um, that's a bit disappointing. But um, we are actually moving. If I switch to my camera here, you'll see that uh, there's quite a lot less stuff in the room. And it's all in a state of disarray uh, where I am starting to dismantle it um, so that we can move on Friday to a new premises, which will have a uh, BT Infinity-capable broadband line, which apparently will give us... I don't know, about 10 times what we've got now. So I'm hoping that uh, that will improve everything. Just that will be the answer to all my prayers and everything will be all right after that. Anyway, I'm going to start with you, Rich, because we missed you last week and it's very nice to see you. Rich Hilton, of course, Hiltonius.com, uh, producer, engineer, player, works uh, in the private facility of Mr. Nile Rogers on the road quite regularly with Chic, uh, the travelling disco outfit, um, who everybody knows. How are you, Rich? You well? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Excellent. So, um, uh, well, that's good then. I'll go straight to somebody else. <laughs> nice to have you aboard, even in your 8-bit format uh, that everybody's saying in the chat room. You've got, your video's a bit 8-bit. But uh, we can just pretend that we're streaming off a CD-ROM for, um, in like the old days, just, just, just for fun. Uh, as Gaz also, Gaz Williams there from songsurgeon.co.uk, producer, engineer, and uh, song surgeon. In fact, if I give... There we go. There's his lower third. Oh, no, that's Dave's. What am I doing? Gaz Williams there, songsurgeon.co.uk. Also co-host of Sonic Touch, uh, the show, which we hopefully will be shooting uh, episode eight with tomorrow. Uh, Music and iPad and iOS, though tomorrow we've actually got uh, an Android app for the first time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Gaz, how are you? You are static. I'd say if if Rich was 8-bit, you're probably 4-bit at the moment. Oh, Okay. And not well, moving at all, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can get around it anyway. How are you, guys? You well? Well, I've got another cold, so I hope that um, I'm not going to give you that tomorrow. But, I've still um, got mine. It's all right. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe I can pick up a nice fresh one. Yeah, from maybe you, so. Maybe um, I can refresh my own cold. I'm. Uh, do you remember a few weeks back we were talking about ribbon mics, uh, and I'm currently talking on a ribbon mic now. But um, I did a really interesting recording session at the weekend, uh, recording my surf band, um, and we recorded it 
just using ribbon mics, only ribbon mics for the whole, you know, everyone playing yeah. live. And then just, um, and the sound is superb. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny because uh, just from the mixes, kept it all resoutly mono. It's a real kind of old school approach to the recordings, but listen to the mixes in a few different places. And wow, it's like the drums, everything just sounds so groovy. It's amazing. Did I mean, you, it does, did you it, use it's anything amazing. else to sort of glue it together, um, sort of processing wise, you know, compression wise? Uh, yeah, I used, um, I used Alloy on all the tracks and just kind of hit the limiters quite hard and then sort of doused it in some ozone uh, tape uh, saturation in the exciter module on that. Oh, right, okay. uh, but other than that, we recorded it in a very big room, um, which is a lovely sounding room in Chew Valley, south of Bristol. And um, it was just, for me, it was just so exciting. And we did the, the mic the drums from about maybe three, two meters, maybe, in front of the drums. And, um, oh, actually, we did use a valve mic as well, which uh, which we put together with the... Um, with another ribbon mics, but we just used a little bit of that just to give a little bit of brightness in the cymbals. But um, we phase locked it and got that. Uh, but that was in the same location as well, this distance away from the drums. Um, and everything was distant, a little bit more distant than we would normally mic things. Mm. Uh, and I think the reason why I was mentioning that, it was just a very old school approach to recording, but listening back to the recording is so satisfying. Everything's just so upfront. And the, like the drums, you know, like... Um, this kind of surfy stuff there's all these kind of big tom rolls and all that kind of stuff but it's just all really really nice and juicy and you know so yeah <laughs> like a real kind of retro sort of recording but uh very satisfying excellent um mm. let's also say um uh, hello to um let me see we'll say hello to dave spears we haven't seen dave spears for a little while well it's been since well i haven't seen you since before nam how are you dave um yeah <laughs> excellent that good <laughs> yeah I'm so glad. I'm ever so glad to hear that, mate. <laughs> your no, video, right, your video you. is more like a uh, 12-bit. I'd say you're doing very well there. Oh, like a Cyberman. Yeah, you do, don't you? You've got that. You just need to spray your face silver. <laughs> I'll do that. Fancy doing that? Show. Yeah. Just nip out and uh, I don't know. Maybe the wife got some silver makeup from from a panto or something for the kids uh, i'm 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 uh i'm ba- i'm coasting here i'm 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 i felt confident going into that sentence and now i'm lost anyway um so dave spears of course g4 software makers of fine software instruments probably making fine software instruments as i speak in fact we can't see his lower half i bet his hands and his feet are working on it as we speak would that be true uh maybe one okay fantastic one and one foot one hand and one foot haven't quite. Well, you're a drummer. You should be able to do both independently. You should do one instrument. You should be working on two things at the same time, as well as talking to, to us. On which subject? Has anyone seen my uh, tech support thing this morning? No. What was that? I posted it on my yes. Facebook. It's brilliant. Well, brilliant. Yeah. It's Love utterly it. amazing, and it's just getting better and better and better. I think somebody's bought something from a completely different company, and it's to do with cars. And uh, he emailed us asking for tech support for his Toyota Camry and it's making a whistling sound. And Chris replied saying, are you a drummer? That's it. And he came back with another question like, yeah, but why is it making this whistling sound? And Chris said, it's probably tinnitus from overdoing the drum monitor mix. If you answer it, it'll probably go away. And I feel qualified. We can can make those kind of jokes because obviously I'm, I'm a drummer. So, Excellent. That's a great one. 
Well, no, that was just that. something random there. Sorry, Mark, I'll introduce you, Mark, while you speak. Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Where are you, Mark? If you speak, I can flip to your, your, your um, frame. I've actually got something in the is. garage, which is for measuring standing quarter times, and it uses a um, magnet, uh, the same kind of uh, technology as the iPhone uses for, you know, when you wiggle the thing around. What's it called? Mag, um, Geo... Uh, yeah, geo thingy, that yeah, thingy. That. But it's but it uh, it measures like the the g force of the car when you accelerate. So it must be that company because I think the company has a very similar <laughs> name to yours. There um, are a few other yeah. g forces, and, and isn't there? Um, do you ever get any emails from little girls who want to go and get badges or stickers of hamsters? Because isn't there a film no. the G Force? Because uh, I, I, yeah. I bought that. Oh yes, I bought you. That's I bought you a brilliant. DVD of that. Actually, my, um, Dave, I was going to send it to you for Christmas a couple of years ago, but oh, my, daughter, wow. my daughter ended up watching it, and I thought actually it's not that funny, and you might just get it. Uh, okay. But it's something you could have on the wall, you know. Somebody, somebody sent me a picture of my head on top of one of those hamsters sort of bodies, which I used <laughs> as my um, iChat logo <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> Excellent. In fact, uh, and, uh, and the proportion was quite similar. Oh, that's hilarious! We did um, <laughs> at Christmas. There's also uh, a thing called Elf Yourself, which everybody has to do if you've got kids. And uh, I had to do the children and the guinea pigs. And the guinea pigs look really good as elves, I have to say. But that is completely oh. off topic and totally random. <laughs> so um, we've still got to say hello to um, PJ Tracy. PJ Tracy, Emmy-winning composer. How are you? How's your new studio fit going? Good day. It's it's going it's going in fits and starts. We've uh, we had a hiccup. We've got the wrong um, Monte card was delivered to us from RME, so we we need to switch that out. But I did uh, take delivery of a pair of twenty two sixty four compressors, um, the Neve five hundred series, the new Neve five hundred series compressors, and oh man, they are gorgeous sounding little boxes. So having fun. Excellent. That sounds brilliant. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to be getting into all of that myself um, as we're moving on Friday. And the only pre- preparation I've done is actually to take a table apart, <laughs> so <laughs> so I can get it out the door. And uh, there's a lot more stuff to go besides. So that's going to be kind of fun. But um, I'm kind of looking forward to it, actually. It's going to be exciting. I think we're going to be in a state of flux for a considerable amount of time while we figure out exactly yeah, how plan to on, plan on it to apportion, to apportion <laughs> yeah. up the uh, how we plan to apportion up the, the space. But it's going to it's going to work good anyway. So um, let's see yeah. where should we start? I mean, obviously Nam was uh, was the week before last. I mean, we didn't you know though we uh, we we talked about um, some of our sort of favourites and the high points last week. There's still quite a lot of stuff that's been going up. I mean, we even put up um, other video as well. In fact, one of the first things that was really kind of big news was that Digital Performer has been announced for Windows, which is just one of the most sort of out there things that I can think of for a long time. Um, yeah. So here we go. Yeah, Digital Performer is now available for Windows. Um, it's going to be Digital Performer version 8, which is their latest um, update. Uh, it's got a lot of other things besides, and it's going to obviously 64-bit. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, DP will operate 34, 64-bit on Windows 7, I believe. Uh, Windows, it'll support VST and, uh, oh, what's that? Artas. I can't see what that says. I've made it too small. Hold on, let's see. Let's see if I can get that to work. Uh, let's try. There we go. And rewire. There we go. That, that's what I was looking for. Um, there's a load of 15 new plugins, a whole bunch of stuff. But that, I mean, that's a pretty major deal, isn't it? Having... Uh, having a, a whole new platform announced. And because, and you know, Digital Performer has long been used... I mean, PJ used to use it a lot, didn't you? And it was, it was a lot used a lot for video cues. It seemed to have hold that market it, for a long time. 
I did. Uh, a lot of film composers I know use, um, they tend to seem to uh, go either digital performer or Cubase seem to be two big ones. And, and of course, uh, Pro Tools and Logic are used to to, to an extent as well. Um, this is a real generalization. But what's interesting about this is that Motu for a long time have had um, almost their entire product line supported on the Windows side of things with the exception of digital performer. Oh, that was okay. the big omission. They didn't. They didn't have that. And even going back, um, you know, as far as a decade ago, they had a program. I, I'm not sure if they still make it. I think it was called AudioDesk, and it was basically yeah. like a scaled down version of the audio side of digital digital performer. And that was cross platform, and yet digital performer <laughs> was not. And I'm I'm not exactly sure why uh, why that is because all of their interfaces are supported on the Windows side, work well on the Windows side. Um, all of their Mach five and so forth and all of that are supported. Um, so I think this is a, a natural, maybe a natural extension of their product line to migrate digital performer over to windows side. And I'm sure there will be a lot of people that will be very well, uh, welcoming of that. And will, will you platform. be amongst them? I mean, will you, are you tempted to kind of go back and visit that? Personally, no, because digital performer for me, it's it's purely logistical. Um, it's a difficult program to navigate for me because they they tend to and have for years um, stuck with this these tiny little sub menus with almost unreadable fonts that and I lots find of, lots very, and lots very of difficult. windows by the looks of things. Yeah, very very difficult to navigate that program visually and and right. uh, just to kind of to kind of get into it. So I, I tend to I tend to steer clear of it when I was on the Mac platform, and I've, I've I'm now using both platforms, um, the Mac and uh, the PC. And so I've recently reacquainted myself with Logic on the Mac, and I find and I, I looked at Digital Performer, but I find that it's still really really difficult to navigate uh, for okay. me. Um, one of the other things that uh, they've added is a lot more uh, video support. Uh, you can get full 1080 or 720p via playback via second monitor or via the new Motu uh, HDX and what's the other? The uh, uh, HDMI or SDI, HD Express or HDX SDI. So, I mean, it's going to be, I wonder, I mean, what, what happens with something like this? Is it kind of like the last thing on the to-do list? Because it must have taken an awful lot of time to, to prepare this. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's essentially almost like relaunching a sequencer because we've got a whole new platform to be dealing with. I mean, is that – do you think there's going to be enough people to make it worth their while? Because presumably maybe people swatched – maybe they lost a lot of people to PC and then, you know, now they can come back. I don't know. Rich, what do you think? Do you – because as far as I can tell, it's, it's very American. You know, it's, it's digital performers – uh, used a lot more in America than perhaps anywhere else. Well, from a marketing standpoint, certainly I guess they're hoping that there's a huge untapped market out there of PC-based uh, sequencer users. Um, I haven't used Digital Performer in over a decade, so I'm totally unqualified to assess it on any level other than that. I know people I respect enormously who use it and love it. So uh, right. I'm sure that they're hoping that there is a market to be cracked out there in PC world and uh we'll find out won't we but what i mean what to, what do the people that you know and uh what are they what what are they using it for is it very much kind of single person composition to picture or is it recording or what's the kind of general most of them were composition to picture right have been a few use it as their main sequent recorder but i don't know too many people who record multi-track 
you know, live stuff to digital performer, but I know there's <laughs> got to be being done out there. Bless yeah. you. Um, no, it's interesting. So, I, you know, it's yeah. a perfectly viable product. It's, it's one of the best out there, and I'm sure it's workable. And for guys who aren't satisfied with what's in PC now, or who have always wished for this, a lot of, you know, performer users who've always wanted to run it in Windows world, mm. I guess that here it is. Here it um, is. You know, I'm happy for it. <laughs> Dave Spears, uh, does this mean you've got to create a whole new installer, or is it uh, all going to be fine? Uh, it should be fine. Uh, famous last words. God, why am I so confident? Uh, <laughs> sort of momentary <laughs> moment of confidence. It's on record. Uh, normal service will be You'd like me to get resumed. it, Dave, so I can test for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just really surprised to see it. Yeah, the harbinger of doom. That's what Richard is called in our uh, environment here. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I was just really surprised to see it. And uh, other than that, I don't really have any comment at all. I like their stuff. Although I've got a recollection of sitting on a beach in America on Memorial Day trying to work out how to use a uh, digital performer for the Mac because we were doing a Mac show a million years ago and it was like, ah, uh, we can't really use Logic, can we, on an Atari? <laughs> and that was probably the last time I used it, but I do use Mac 5 and Ethno Instrument and all of that kind of stuff. So, right. yeah, and I know it's got a real cult following. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, so I don't know whether Dave or uh, whether um, Gaz uh, or Mark have any experience with Digital Performer. I mean, I, I know, it take, as we've said, it takes an awful lot of uh, commitments to um, to swap sequences or jump. I mean, and it's, I, I suspect that mm. many people on DP probably going to stick there on Mac anyway. So it'd be interesting to see how it works. But uh, you've got any experience with it, these? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, Mark. Depends who who wants to go. Come on, I'll toss I'll it. I'll go then. Go, Mark. Yes. Uh, when I had that problem with the Mac PowerBook 540C, when um, I switched to the 5300 all those years ago, right. <laughs> and Logic fell over, I started using Digital Performer version three or four or wow. something, and I learned how to use it because I was cross with. Uh, eMagic, of course, you know, because they provided me with a brilliant that, product E-Magic. for years. So. <laughs> um, so I tried it for a bit. I got, and then they brought out something that did looping, didn't they? Because Warren uh, Kukarulu used to use this thing called a, a jam man for his guitar part. Right. And I had that thing running in software, but he could never. He didn't like it because he had no control over it, and it relied on him saying, "Right, quick, loop that bit to me." Oh, I see. And then we could stack all these loops in it. So I found that useful, but um, since, I haven't used it since then, really. Yes, uh, Kiwi Steve uh, in the chat room uh, says, um, you know, really, to jump to the top, you've got to have uh, an advantage. And what does DP offer that others don't? And that's a good question. And Kiwi Steve, hello, I want to say, because I um, I met him in, uh, in, in the bar in uh, LA, and it was very nice to meet him. Gaz, you sound like you're about to go there. Yeah. This is going to be my point, really, that I've always struggled with DP. Too. I've used it on various sessions, not enjoyed it particularly, and I've always wondered what the USB was with it, really. The one thing I quite liked was that you could always just, you had like a kind of channel list down the left-hand side, and you could select what the mixer was showing by just clicking on the names of the tracks, and I always thought that was quite well implemented. But, but apart from that, I, I've never really kind of clicked with it or particularly seen any 
reason to go to it. So, um, so they're keeping their mass format then, are they as well? For uh, so it won't. Do, do, do the plugins have to be in mass, or will it read VSTs? No, I, I uh, think it'll be. Um... And Windows, it'll support VST plugins and rewire. I, I, I'm guessing on Mac, it must, right. must support that. I mean, I can't imagine they've mm-hmm. they've cut themselves out of that. I mean, I, as far as mm-hmm. I remember, um, they were one of the first, weren't they, to sort of combine audio and MIDI in a kind of in some format. Although it was in a, in a slightly odd, a different way than everybody else. It wasn't. But I, I am now completely guessing because I've never used it. But mm-hmm. uh, so perhaps that's should... that's a good question, Nick, because I I remember using it. Um... You know, in the mid 1990s, is a straight up MIDI sequencer, but I don't remember it actually having uh, audio capability at that point. Right. And uh, I want to think that maybe, maybe it's it possible one... that Cubase or uh, Vision or something like that prior to Digital Performer actually had that capability. Uh, maybe I got like, it the wrong way around. It was one of the last to get audio capabilities rather than one of the first. <laughs> it's, it's, it's possible. I knew it was one or the other. In terms of, you know, Gaz's question is what's the big deal about it? I, I think uh you know, as as Rich kind of attested to I know one guy that uses Digital Performer as his main DAW for just recording live multi-track audio projects, you know, acoustic ensembles and things like that. But I think that that's, that's not the way that I've seen a lot of people use it. Most of the people I know that use it as their main acts are doing sound picture. And it just seems to be one of those one of those um sequencers that sort of adopted the the feature set that post producers need uh, and composers need uh, er- earlier than than most of the native DAW systems. You know, right. you needed uh, a a lot of money and a lot of hardware to do that to do that kind of thing back in the late '90s and early part of this last decade. And now you can do it all natively. And I think digital digital performer was one of the first to sort of, and they had the hardware to support it. Right. It's to uh, Motu had all all these all these great. Um, well, and still do, yeah. and still do. Yeah, all these great synchronization boxes that uh, we used to use. So the AV timepiece and all, all of these, you know, wonderful boxes that uh, that have kind of gone by the wayside. You don't really, you don't really need them much anymore unless you're doing, you know, massive broadcast stuff. So yeah, it's good. Okay, well, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'll just canvas for which story we should go to next because I, I, there's a few here that I want to cut to. I think one of them was the uh, Universal Audio Apollo, which is quite an interesting and uh, mm-hmm. big innovation. So should we go? Should we jump straight to that after the ad, and then I can uh, yeah. so I can tease it because I think um, to be honest, it, it's time we said thank you to our sponsors. And we our sponsors, of course, are Yamaha. We want to say thank you very much to them. Um, the Pocket Track. Digital recorders are super small, probably the smallest 24-bit 96K PCM recorders, up to 26 hours recordings, ultra-handy wireless remote control, uh, high-capacity storage, XY-configured stereo microphone for superior music recording, peak limiter for music recording, quick startup, uh, which is a big deal, 24 se- uh, sorry, 4.5 seconds, scene memories for user settings, which is extremely handy as well, onboard speaker for quick and convenient way to check recordings. The C24 is the smaller of the two, it weighs just 57 grams, which is astonishingly tiny, and it also has an onboard speaker, directly USB connection to the computer, uh, it's got two gigs built in memory, and also takes micro SD cards. Go to one of the major stores, one of the major dealers, take some memory down, record some audio, have a listen to how it works, and take it home and, and take it listen to it. I know that D- uh, Dave Robinson, who is uh, editor of ProSound News, um, swears by his. I'm guessing use it for interviews and that kind of thing. It's really, they are so small, you can fit them in a pocket, hence the word pocket track. So uh, once again, we thank Yamaha for the continued sponsorship of the show. 
Right. Um, so what's next? I, I think we should do the Universal Audio Apollo because that really is. Mm. I think for me that was probably. I know they did sponsor the, our Nam coverage, but I mean they wanted to sponsor it because basically um, they had such an awesome product. So I'm just going to play this. Hi, my name is Lev Perry. I'm here at Nam 2012 with Universal Audio, and the big announcement at the show is Apollo. Apollo is a high-resolution audio interface with real-time U80 processing, and what that means is it's the best-sounding audio interface in its class. And real-time U80 processing allows you to use the entire library of U82-powered plugins on input with less than two milliseconds of latency. In addition to that, it's also a U82, so it allows you to run all of our plugins inside the DAW right off of the box. So again, all of the great titles from Manly, Neve, SSL, Studer, the list goes on and on. They can all be run off this box either on input or on the back end for mixing and mastering. In addition to that, it's got a FireWire 800 connection to the computer or a Thunderbolt option card that just slides in. When you connect Thunderbolt, you get PCIe performance out of the box, and the FireWire ports even become a hub, which is really great. The front panel is very intuitive. On the very far left, you've got the mic preamp section, full featured mic preamps with control over gain and all of the various things you'd expect on a mic preamp. Beautiful metering across the front panel. I won't play the whole thing because obviously that's quite a long video and it goes into some of the uh, finer points. But basically, I can't believe that nobody's done this already. This is the news that the Universal Audio Apollo, which essentially has got the uh, UAD2 platform inside it and allows you to process real time on live inputs uh, with, uh, I think it's a 1.1 millisecond analog to analog delay. So, I mean, negligible, basically. And this has been, obviously, this has been the... uh, the kind of area of that Pro Tools has excelled in for many, many years. So now this is a kind of intro. I mean, this is a slightly different architecture, admittedly, but it's a very interesting concept. And I'm guessing uh, I know that many of us are UAD um, users. I know that Rich, <coughs> you tend to use UAD stuff, uh, and I'm wondering whether or not is it will this have a use in your setup? Because I'm guessing you probably process after the fact, right? Oh, it would. It's a very interesting product to me. Does it have a use in my setup? Um, only because I have a lot of other things that do what this thing does already. But um, for a user who wants to get into using their plugins and needs a good interface design, this thing is brilliant. I think, and it's also kind of groundbreaking in that I don't recall any other interface product that incorporates plugin hosting into its architecture. Mm. And uh, the plugins happen to be damn good. So yeah. uh, I find it to be a really interesting product offering from them. It makes a ton of sense, and I hope they do well with it. Well, I'll tell you what I was thinking, actually. I mean, as I was looking more and more of this, I'm thinking for the live sound market, I mean, one of these, I mean, you can run all of that stuff. You've got 18 inputs and 24 outputs. I think you've got, uh, uh, I think there's eight analog, uh, eight line inputs. I don't know if it's got um, ADAT or whatever. Yeah, it's got ADAT channels as well. And obviously you've got a, <coughs> the Thunderbolt option. But, I mean, just running that maybe with a laptop, if you can figure out a way to route the stuff internally and externally, I mean, that's going to be great for live work, isn't it? Surely just that real-time processing. I mean, with that sort of latency, you could be well, running front-of-house monitors as well without you know anybody getting too upset about it. Uh, I don't know. Anybody? Uh, or is <laughs> Rich? Yeah, that makes I sense. I saw it more as a recording device. I, I, I see it um, for live... I mean, you could bring one of those little bricks that they make. I can't remember what it's called. A satellite? Yeah, UAD but the, the thing about that is, that is, that is the, the through processing is late, is low latency. So, yes, that would work if you've got a big front of house rig and there's a big delay between the stage and the speakers. But, I mean, in a smaller venue, 
something like this. Because they don't, I mean, there is a through latency for processing real-time inputs on their other platforms. It's just because of the nature. I don't think it's any, I could be wrong, but I don't think it's any different. Other than the fact that you can do Thunderbolt in this thing. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, I've processed late real-time stuff. When I did the uh, UAD review, I was right. what does it sound like on a live input with my voice? And there's definitely a, a considerable delay on real-time Nick? live input. Yes, <clears throat> the the figure that they're publishing or or talking about in terms of latency on this on this thing is sub two millisecond latency, but that that couldn't possibly take into account the trip through your DAW's buffer, could it? Because that's different depending on you know on the architecture of of the DAW, as I understand. Well, it. that's a good point. Actually, so, that is a good point. So maybe I'm I'm barking up the wrong tree there. So yeah, I think well, like that's... when people when people publish figures like these they're a little they're a little spurious until you get you know real world um you know real world pra practical user reviews and people saying okay I'm not experiencing any mm. latency or the people that I'm working the musicians I'm working with aren't aren't experiencing it in terms of using it as a front of house device sure if you're if you're a person that wants to commit you know processing to tape then this is a really really great you know, great way to do it if if it does what it purports to do. Mm. I would it's be really, interested really to cool. know because it's got a separate hosting, uh, like a mix control panel, which interfaces with the door and then routes the final audio into your door. So I'm guessing there must. Oh, be... so maybe it's just looping back at the input. Uh, it may, it yeah. may be. I'd like. I would like to know that. Yeah. Um, Mark, you seem uh, seem keen to 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 come in there. I'm. Well, I watched it, and I understood what it was, and it reminds me, in a sense, of the way that Creamware Pulsar used to work and, and how that used to interact with my uh, door, but not necessarily integrate with it. And I want to know how integratable, that's not a word, is it? <laughs> how easily it can be integrated. In other words, when I come to save my session, I want to know when I load my session back, it's going to sound the same. So that's one thing that worries me about laying some of this stuff out to separate units. And then the other thing he was saying about um, virtual instruments and and wiring your virtual instruments back into the system using an ADAT cable. And that sounds like it's not very integrated at all. So I want to know. I'd want I think to know no. I think the, pro the processing is separate. So you would output the audio into it, and then it would process that in real time and come back into your system. I wonder what sort of right. delay. How, would... So how is it going? How is it going to deal with latency issues there then? Because that's going to be all over the place, isn't it? I mean, how is it going to? I because get... in Logic now, everything compensates, and the more plugins I throw on, the more it adjusts to latency, and within reason, it's pretty accurate. I think but it depends if, on where you know, you're monitoring from. If you're monitoring from the interface and it's post-processing but pre-door, so you're coming out of, your virtual instrument is coming out of the, the, the real-time output, ADAT, coming into oh. the UA, being processed by the plugins, and you're monitoring from the UA as well before it goes back into the door. Do you see what I mean? I think that's, that, I, I think as far as I understand it, that may be how it's going to work. It'd be nice if it But if that it means that when I hit the key on my keyboard, the sound's going to come out sometime after I play the key. And as a musician, and not just as somebody who records things, but as somebody who records things that they play on keyboards. Yeah, but that's, is that not, that's when not, I hit that, the key, that's I'm the case hear now. The sound, otherwise, my performance but, is going to be all over. I know, the place, but the so. thing is, that's the case now. You're still dealing with the, uh, the buffer of the door. 
and all this is going to add by from what i read is one millisecond to that okay so the, but okay it's going to add a millisecond so the millisecond's completely irrelevant because i've already got like a couple <laughs> of milliseconds there so yeah, so well, maybe so. One point one millisecond delay, hurrah, hurrah! Thing is a bit kind of like, well, hang on a minute. Well, I, no, I but the thing that, yeah, but I think that, I think perhaps we're being a bit harsh on UA because UA stuff, it you know, pl- playing real time across on UA, UA is prim- primarily has the the platform has been designed for uh, playback and mix rather than okay. playing in real time. I don't know, Dave, you've got this. You, I mean, it, there is a delay if you want to put it across a real-time like instrument or live input in, you know, p- prior to this platform coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think. I yes. Thought, yeah, I, I, te- yes. I tested it, honestly. I, trust yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I tested it as part of the review. There was a delay. So the unit won't add, yeah, the unit won't add much latency. Nick, most... Most definitely. I also have a UA processing card, and in Logic on the Mac, you know, which is the DAW that you're using, right? If you if you put the if I put the eight core Mac that we have down to 32 samples, strap a UA plugin across a bus, and play a virtual instrument through that UA plugin, there is definitely noticeable latency. Right, Adi- yeah. additional latency. Right. Yes, there is. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. yeah, and I think it depends on the bus because if you're using it as a Firewire bus or a PCIe card, it's going to depend on you know how fast the communication is. So yeah, I think we got that straight at least. That's that's good now, news. In, in terms of this being the first interface to be able to record live through plugins or have the plugin hosting integrated, it it is most definitely not. My Yamaha um, MR816 does that, and so does um, so does the Emu series of boxes that came and out you know starting in about 2002 well, metric yeah. halo okay metric halo now now they may not, not be the the same quality you know as the ua <laughs> no stuff, probably but, not you know, yeah i mean i'm not yeah. i'm not trying to diss the thing or completely like say that i wouldn't buy one but i would want to try one out before i bought it's not immediately leaping out at me as the interface that i ought to go out and buy Right. And I do need to buy a new interface at some point, and that's I'm having watched that video and everything. I sort of thought, ah, yes, okay, one point one milliseconds sounds brilliant. But if it's if when I got to the bit where he said about the ADAT integration, I sort of thought, oh, hang on a minute, um, maybe it's not. So um, mm. I'll have to go and try one. That's the answer. Gaz, <laughs> you're you're a universal audio guy, Gaz, aren't you? Do, I mean, I can, yeah, I can imagine uh, this being kind not, of. Ha- oh, your video's back. I am very in. Hey, ha I'm very interested in it, actually. I mean, it is quite pricey when you look at what it is compared to other devices in terms of ins and outs and whatever, and buying something else and buying a UAD card to go along with it. Yeah. Um, but the integrated nature of it does look very nice. Now, what is interesting to me is the... I, I really like the design of it, and I think it's quite clever how they've copied the controls off, like, the 1176 uh, or the LA-2A or whatever. Um, you know, they've made the interface kind of hark back to their own designs, which I think is really nice, just so, you know, just as a cosmetic thing. But also, I think it, it does look like it's got a very nice... Uh, user interface i've got like a a motu traveler which has been really good but it's the the controls on it are horrible i don't know if anyone else uses them but they're like really fiddly little knobs on the front and whereas this one's just got like the la2a style just two knobs on the front there which i think is quite stylish um i'm interested in the preamps i'm wondering if they're trans impedance preamps i couldn't find that out Uh, i use a universal audio preamp which has got trans impedance preamps which i'm a big fan of 
Uh, they're very transparent. They've got fantastic, um, uh, fantastic headroom and uh, uh, dynamic range and frequency response. Uh, they're not to everyone's cup of tea because they are very, some people describe them as a bit sterile. But I think from reading up on the Apollo, it looks like they've gone for this kind of transparent preamp thing. So you use the UAD, um, things like the Studer and the various other modeled uh, front end things. So, you know, so, so I think, you know, in a way, this is one of the points which I think we haven't really covered about it is that, you know, the idea that you can mimic all these different preamps on the way in uh you know mm. which the way the uad has been has been on all about in the mix on the way out so uh uh you know so i think that's quite i think that's quite interesting that they've integrated that and i'm, I'm very keen to try it uh, uh i noticed on the website on the Universal Audio have got another fantastic product the uh 4710 which is like a uh um it's been out for a couple of years now i think that's uh and uh that, that's just like a preamp uh multi-channel preamp uh with selectable trans impedance or valve uh preamp stages uh and i think that's what i would love is that combination of those things <laughs> both of them up together well they yeah. start saving oh, up i'd love it well, you know, know, we'll, we'll work on we'll, we'll we'll work on making uh, all of our participants in uh, the Sonic Talks, you know, the the most highly paid um, roundtable Sonic <laughs> discussion chat room uh, chat hosts in in the world ever at some point in the future. We'll do our Excellent. best. Excellent. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> that's a promise. Yeah, that's a promise. Uh, I'm not very good at, but, but one I may not be able to keep. But the Universal Apollo, though, I mean, I just think it's kind of a it's a very interesting development and uh, I would be really interested to see how it works on virtual. I mean, the, the other question I wanted to ask was, well, why not just run a virtual instrument on the DSP then? Surely that's going to be a no brainer, isn't it? I mean, that's going to make sense to be able to do that, but that was very science. I don't know if that's the case. It seemed to be hugely sidestepped by everybody and they go, no, yes, all yeah. you have to do is this. And it's like, no, no, but why can't you just run it? Cause there was talk of running instruments on the UAD platform right at the very beginning. But again, I think the latency disallowed it. But I'm wondering whether that might mean that we could do this. I mean, and that would be interesting because all that power available would, would be kind of cool, right? They have to be ported. Okay, so uh, ported? But there's another there's another thought there. And why do you have to send a virtual instrument down an ADAT cable? Why can't you just get the Thunderbolt interface to shoot stuff back and forth down it? So can't why can't you just do it on an insert or something? Why does it have to go down the ADAT cable? I don't understand that. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I'm guessing because the integration of the unit will add the latency, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Or Azio Head says in the chat room, I think the code won't allow it, which is entirely possible. But, I mean, <laughs> computer. so that's a, is that um, the equivalent of uh, computer says no, Dave, is it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, that's not verified, so we can't we can't vet. But I mean, lots of questions. I, I agree with of, Mark. That's, lots that's of kind of kludgy, you know. That, that, yeah. that sort of that sort of integration. I mean, especially considering that if you, if you, if they did build a box that has nice <laughs> converters in it, decent preamps in it, and that kind of thing, then using ADAT as a protocol to be interfacing with what's already in your DAW, ADAT is a notoriously jittery, you know, artifact-ridden uh, protocol. And so I, I don't I don't understand why why they would do that either. That's it's uh right. but it you know like it remains to be thing. seen. Well um, Matt M in the chat room says uh ADAT is required to uh to routing to pr print the effects, otherwise it's not needed. But yeah, I, 
questions. I think it's fair to say that we have a lot of questions that need answering, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get hold of one. I think it's going to be available Q2. Uh, what were the prices? It was uh, nineteen ninety nine and about two and a half grand for the duo and the quad, uh, basically. Okay, um, who wants to do? What should we do next? Are we, anybody interested in the Buchla story? Because that's quite yeah, a big deal, I thought. Uh, or would you rather do Melodyne? I'll leave it to the to you two chaps. <laughs> Not you two chaps. Well, I can you... play devil's advocate with the uh, Buchla story if you fancy. Right, I'm going to press the button then. Here we go. My name is Michael Marins. I'm the president of Bukla Electronic Musical Instruments. We are a new company that has acquired the assets and intellectual properties and the very man himself, Don Bukla of Bukla and Associates, the makers of some of the most extraordinarily powerful um, synthesizers and electronic musical instruments and interfaces uh, available today. Say hello to the folks, Don. It's about comfortable. There you go. Uh, Don has been providing our industry with fabulous uh, instruments for well over 50 years. Some of the most innovative user interfaces and technologies and sound creation uh, um, capabilities that our industry has, uh, has ever seen. And, and uh, he is uh, still full of wonderful ideas uh, as the... Um, as Don progresses on in years, uh, after 50 years of uh, providing our industry with this great stuff, uh, he was looking for a way to, to be able to have his legacy protected and uh, furthered and cemented in our industry, as well as his line of instruments continue to be produced and uh, expanded upon. And so we have formed a company to come in and purchase uh, Brooklyn Associates so that uh, we could give Don that support to continue on into the future and uh, hopefully forever cement the book of name in the annals of music history. Right, I'm going to switch that. I, I think it's fair to say at this point, a lot of people have been saying it looked a bit kind of weird with Don, you know, it made him look like he was just sort of uh, being there for the, you know, FaceTime. But actually, the story is he hates being on camera, absolutely hates it. We talked him into uh, appearing, and that was him just being really uncomfortable, not the guy who bought the company sort of being an arsehole. I just want to point that out, <laughs> really, because that's really important, and 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 I think it's not it's not fair that that impression came across because that wasn't actually the case at all. But uh, I mean, you could also read into this that uh, you know it's like, and then they saw what happened with Moog and thought oh, we'll have some of that, please too. I mean, I don't know. It, it, obviously, the guy's getting on a bit. I mean, imagine running a company and doing all the day to day stuff and all that other stuff. Although I'm sure he's got people with him probably just gets a bit tiresome and it'd be great to have some new energy to actually make this work for him. So, Dave, you said you wanted to play devil's advocate. So um, what's your take on this? I mean, it's going to be great, surely. Yeah, and I've got a lot of time for SM Pro Audio people. Um, no, this really just sparked a whole nother conversation that obviously is related to the Buckler thing. And we, I understand that, you know, Don was a sort of mega pioneer on the West Coast so around the same time as... Bob was on the East Coast, and I love the whole idea of that San Francisco tape exchange and the whole vibe of that. That's something that we're, we've always kind of had a dream of kind of replicating over here in a kind of weird way. But this conversation came up, or this idea came up, uh, when we went from that to your video of the, come on, what's the thing called? The 200E Skylab. Ah, uh, Yes. That's a bit unfortunate. And the question was, was, has anybody written, and this is no disrespect, I mean no disrespect, this is a question, has anybody heard anything 
on a buckler that sounds like anything other than a series of farts and squeaks and bleeps. <laughs> um, I'm sure that, yes, I'm sure. Um, didn't, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the chap, uh, like, uh, Richard Lanehart, he did quite a lot of stuff on that. Uh, okay. Uh, and he was, well, I mean, okay, it's on the experimental side of things, but it was still, there was still quite a lot of melodic um, and musical aspects to it. Um, you, so are you sort of suggesting that it's perhaps the uh, the plaything of the um, the person who never finishes anything, who's got lots of money? And who's got 15, 15 grand. Yeah, and there's also another element to this, which was kind of really interesting, in that you always hear people say, or companies say, oh, this module was inspired by, and that'll be, you know, sequential circuits or Moog or anything like that. And you very... Well, I don't think I've ever, ever heard anybody say, and this module was inspired by a buckler. So I just thought it was kind of really intriguing in that obviously all the kind of synth guys hold Don in great reverence and with complete justification. Well, maybe. I mean, here's a here's an answer. Maybe um, he's just been very, very tight on that and just won't let anybody anything out that... Uh that is inspired by and, and squeezes it. I mean, I could be completely wrong here. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say really was that uh, obviously with the Danny Olesh, who's part of SM Pro Audio is on board on this board. And he is a very, very smart guy. I mean, he's kind of like the guy who runs, the, runs the company comes up with a lot of the designs. I mean, he's a very uh, clever bloke. So I'm pretty sure his brain on some of this will, will, end up with a lot of interesting spin-offs. I don't know. I mean, Rich you used to, and that's, Sorry. Kind of where we were kind of saying that maybe that's where it kind of needs to go, you know, If and hopefully that's what they'll bring to it is kind of to gear it a little bit more to the sort of mainstream and introduce it to some musical elements as opposed to this kind of experimental vibe that most Buckler stuff seems to have. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, Rich, you kind of dealt with uh, a lot of, you were worked for a synthesizer dealer for a while. I mean, does Buckler, is Buckler on your... Um, on your synthesizer landscape, or is it just a sort of uh, esoteric kind of device? Well, both. <laughs> ah, okay. I mean, uh, I nailed that. It then. hasn't <laughs> been on my lens. Well, it hasn't been on my landscape in terms of my own personal use of the product, and for the most part, I would say that Dave is not wrong about the blips and bloops school embracing it more, perhaps, than the melodic schools of electronic music but um i I have seen videos on youtube of people with elaborate modular rigs who are doing tonal music and employing buklas in their compositions so it's not i mean to the same extent that say ems and vcs3 were perhaps more yeah. well-known as processors and noise makers than they were specifically <laughs> as melodic devices, although in some cases people use them both ways. But um, the Buchla stuff I have heard used in melodic ways, but it's no doubt a favorite with the blip and screech school of electronic music and always has been. Interesting. I, I, uh, but, but there must be, you know, there must be other... F- I, I again, you know, because it's it is so expensive and so esoteric. I've never really had a chance to play with it. I mean, the, the only thing I really know about it is the fact that it's um, essentially programmable and you can recall it. Isn't that how it works? I mean, and I'm not sure how that works internally. I'm guessing it remembers the patch points and everything. But I, I'm again on very thin ice here because I've never had actually had my hands on one because uh, 
I mean, you don't really get them in the UK for starters, but you know, and and in the US, they are only afforded by wealthy people. Well, and I mean, it also a- was very much a, a West Coast <laughs> phenomenon. Uh, also, to the same extent that where I was in upstate New York, it was very much Moog country. Oh, I see what you mean. Right. Okay. Here's a challenge for the chat room. Can anyone come up with a track that's got a, a famous tune that, that there's a buckler on? I, I've got no experience with bucklers. I don't know. I've never really heard one. I've never seen one. And I don't know any song that... Uh, there's a good one. I know we've got one. a few people in here. Um, I know we've got a few people in the chat room who, if if that knowledge was out there, they would probably know it. So perhaps we can <laughs> uh, we can get them. Just uh, while I tweak, retweak my, my setup here, I'm terribly but- sorry. Famous. I have to underline famous as the well, uh, or known at least. Yeah, known. Yeah, I think was as a fair uh, question to ask. I I am assuming that what's basically going to happen is they'll probably have to use maybe some of the circuitry, but ditch the programmable part. So you know, we might get smaller modules, more affordable modules that don't include that protocol. So that must be the really costly bit that's going on under the hood because you've got to basically hardwire every matrix possibility so it can be stored via some microprocessor or relay or something like that. I mean, I, I don't know. That's the point. Does anybody actually know? Yeah. No is the answer. Don't know. I'm going to call don't it. No. No. But I, perhaps Hold the best-known stuff that was done on Buchla machines was Morton Sabotnik's work, his pioneering work. Uh, there was something about silver apples on the moon or something. I can't recall the exact title. but uh, and, and it had both blippy, screechy, and musically, you know, uh, okay. melodic elements. But I'm guessing that's why they're so expensive, is because of the programmable aspect. I mean... I'm guessing they're so expensive because he's making them one at a time. Yeah, maybe so. Right, I, I, I seem to that topic seems to have sort of died just purely for technical reasons, really. So maybe we can uh, come on quickly to uh, if we quickly go into Melodyne's new features because I know Rich, you were quite interested in the version two, the editor version two uh, specifications, and I don't know whether I got there before you'd had a chance to check them out yourself, but I think I have a button I can press that means we can have. A Hi guys, look. we're here at the NAMM Show 2012. We're at the booth of Music Marketing, and we're presenting Celemony Melodyne Editor Version Two. And uh, the biggest changes in version two compared to version one of Melodyne Editor are two new timing tools that we have here in Melodyne Editor, which is the time handle tool and the attack speed tool. And let me show you quickly what these do. So I'm just playing back what we're doing here. In the With the time handle tool, I can put markers now into a blob and basically stretch and move inside a blob which we were not able to do before drum uh find another one plug in this is the uh so the big difference is if i use a transient designer plugin i basically have to edit everything in one go because the transient designer is working all the time while with our attack handle tool we can basically do this on very specific drum uh uh, parts and this is not only a cool tool to get more percussiveness but you can obviously also do all kinds of glitch drum effects on drum loops and all this kind of stuff right we'll stop there um rich was it everything you'd hoped it would be and more yeah well it's good <laughs> i don't know about all that but uh it's really good yeah i've had it for a couple of months it works fine 
Ah, okay. Um, I think the uh, the thing that looks kind of most interesting was the uh, the time the warp the warp markers. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and also it sort of seems like, well, why on earth didn't that happen to begin with? Because I mean, that's the sort of the paradigm that we all know and love, I guess, doesn't it? I mean, it just well, seems like a great idea. It is, and you could do that before, but you had to go through a bunch more steps. So it's more elegant in the way they've implemented it now. And uh, it's nice. It works well. I'm very, you know, I tend not to do too much timing work uh, (laughs) in Melodyne. I tend to do the timing work in the DAW itself. So the timing improvements are welcome and wonderful, and I could see myself using them, but still it's not primarily what I depend on it to do. Okay, and I guess you could do that stuff, you know, on group tracks and things in, in you know, in in your door of choice anyway, assuming you're not using something like... Uh, I, yeah, uh, and the exception is if I'm doing, say, background vocal sections using Melodyne Studio, which is still using older technology, uh, they haven't... They, they do, according to Stefan, intend to update it, but they haven't done in a long time. And so where I'm doing, like, grouped background vocals and stuff where I might do some timing work in Melodyne, I'm not even using their single, their current single-track Melodyne 2.0 implementation. Ah, right. Okay. Gaz, are you a Melodyne guy? I mean, is this something that... Uh, I, I quite like the transient stuff. That looks kind of interesting for... Because I, I, I got into... Um, when I reviewed the UA uh, thing and I was looking at the SPL transient designer, I really sort of opened my eyes to what you can do with uh, editing transients and changing. You can, mm. The character of stuff, you can change enormously. I'm not sure how much I want uh, to do it that granularly, but, uh, I mean, it's great to be able to have that possibility, I suppose. Is there, is, there way to, is there a way to phase lock that across multiple tracks, I wonder? So, you know, if, you, if you're editing a... Wow. Uh, multi sure drum kit, I don't... I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I mean, it would be obviously preferred if that was the case. Mm. Um, I am a Melodyne user. I have been since way back, way, way back, right from the beginning, virtually. Uh, although I've kind of frozen on Create, which is like a kind of older version of it. And I was using it mainly for pitch, sort of correction kind of things. Um but I never liked it for rhythmical work, uh, and I think partly because of this thing that we're talking about now—that they've got, you know, that that you can move things without nudging everything else uh, the way it was before. It was always, you'd always have to kind of split things, and it was always a long-winded way. So I think that's a real definite, uh, I get plus point. Um, regarding the transient editing, I think that does look good. I mean, and I do agree with what he was saying there in the video, that when you do apply something like the SPL transient designer, or uh, there's something in Alloy, uh, Isotope Alloy, which has got similar functionality, uh, that is affecting everything. Um, I suppose you could just you do know, it so, so you could add more whack to the kick, but not the snare and that kind of stuff, I suppose, can you? Yeah, so you know, I think it's I think it's interesting. I'd like to get my hands on it definitely. Um, and Melodyne do have a certain, or Salomony rather, do have a certain uh, secret sauce that they kind of use in um, to make things sound very good. You know, so right. I do, uh, I do, I do rate their kind of processing. Yeah, definitely. I, so, ju- I mean, I'm I'm always a little bit reticent about it because it just sort of seems like oh great, there's even more micro tweaking that can be. You know, I can get bogged down in. You know. 
It's it's interesting because you get that there there are those uh, I can't remember yeah. who does that range. I think it's, is it waves that brought out a range of stuff that's just like a knob that's more and less One of knob. whatever it is. Waves. You know, and I, I'm I'm wondering whether perhaps that is. <laughs> um, I mean, although you know you can't stamp your own uh, um, uh, creative sound on it so much because it's the, just the same knob that everybody else uses. There's an element of me just just thinks, yeah, I, I don't know if I can be bothered with all of that. Um, tweaking <laughs> i don't know but, but that's just because i'm lazy dave i saw you chuckle there does this is this going to make do, you yeah. want, are you going to are you going to be tweaking like a like a tweaker with this or can you just think oh you know what maybe i should just get it right the first time yeah it would be nice to be able to get it right the first time but the truth is from my perspective solemnity all the guys in solemnity could fart in a jam jar and i'd probably still buy it <laughs> i think it's awesome everything they do i just kind of go want 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 yeah. And I've already I've bought this, uh, but I haven't installed it. There's a project I need to get through first before I start installing other stuff on my computer. And uh, but it will get used, probably overused by me as normal. But um, yeah, it's just one of the things that I have to have. Right, PJ. I'm guessing that you're possibly. Uh, I mean, is this something that you can be bothered with? I mean, I know because you have to work a little harder on the screen than perhaps most of us, just because of the eyesight considerations. I mean, but is this something that you kind of think, oh, thank goodness, I can now? I mean, the other thing that was cool actually was the fact that you can apply all these presets, scales, and templates, which may be useful. I suppose. Does that make any sense to you? Uh, yeah, you would you would all laugh watching me work in a studio because I have a 30 inch monitor and my face is plastered right up against it. But um, that doesn't stop me from uh, diving into every piece of software I get my hands on and Melodyne included. And what I find is that in the times that I need to use it, um, it it is the the very best thing out there yeah. you know in, in terms of in terms of what it does in, in in my opinion and it's great software and i i like some of these new features um especially with the dna and the the scale tuning feature which wasn't mentioned and um the little transient the warp markers and the transient designer thing and one thing i wanted to mention that i think is so cool is the graphical representation of transient shaping in the program is a really really cool visual representation of what compression actually does to an audio waveform i think in real time so it, i thought that was really really neat implementation of that but um i could see all kinds of really creative uses for a tool like that and the scale tuning tool Really, really fun software for sample manipulation and sound design, um, as well as for doing, you know, bread and butter corrective stuff and creative uh, harmonization and that type of thing. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of of uh, Salomoni software. Dave, you've uh, sp- you've you've you've, you've um, spawned an entire thread on uh, farts and jam jars in the chat room. There, there's just uh, there's there's like you know, there's tons and tons of it. You seem to have. Uh, yeah, so I, mean, oh, I, I, I might have to look for some kind of show title that relates to that particular <laughs> <laughs> brown noise. Yes, uh, thank you very much. I don't know, Mark, you like to tweak as well. I mean, surely this is this is right up your street, no? Um, I really like Melodyne. I have an older, an older version of Melodyne and haven't bothered to upgrade it to the DNA one yet. I've got a million ideas of what I could do with it. Um, it's not at the top of my shopping list, but I'd love to have it. Um, watching that video and just the simple fact that you can click on all these different scales and completely change the feel of a piece of music, I think is utterly brilliant. Yeah, that's my And it does it, it so seamless, seamlessly, and it sounds 
so good when it's doing it that it's almost impossible to tell that it's done it. So I love it. I think it's brilliant. And and everything everyone else said. Excellent. Um, right. Um, I wanted to finish. Um, there was a couple of... that. There was the uh, new Behringer Digital Desk, the X32, which has also come out, which I think maybe we'll keep for another uh, another minute. But I did get an email, which I think maybe we can uh, set a topic which we can ponder on for next week, uh, from Bill from Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, absolutely love the podcast. Wish you could do it daily. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure we'd ever get any work done. Even though all of your panels seem to have a problem with the DX7, still get, he says his is still going with the since 1984. Uh, is it true that Bath has statues of pigs all around the city? It used to. Um, anyway, but from time to time the panel, you quiz the panel regarding what synths and effects and so on they wish they'd held on to how about a podcast topic regarding the synths that are currently available that they think will be rated highly in the future so maybe that's something that we can ponder on for next week unless anybody uh, wants to chip in now but i think um i'm going to probably have to make a dash for it um i've got more packing to do before uh, and i've got to get the room presentable for for gaz who's coming over tomorrow so i want to say thank you very much to everybody for um joining us this week it's been great to have the gang back together really enjoyed it i'm i uh, hope the uh, nam coverage was uh, was good for you all guys i know that uh, is it a busy time in america at the moment or is it do people go on holiday this time of year that's the one thing i wanted to ask because i there seems to have been a very uh, everything's gone quiet it's like there's been a post nam sort of shutdown <laughs> everybody seems to have just closed everything down but uh, maybe just me maybe uh, they just don't want to see any more of me it's quite possible anyway um I will say thank you very much, Dave Spears, g4software.com. Thank you very much for joining us, Dave. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for all your insights and tips. And I uh, hope that uh, the work on your numerous instruments has uh, been carried on with your feet and arms out of sight during the prob- during the show. I also want to say thank you very much to Gaz Williams uh, from Song Surgeon. We'll see Gaz tomorrow, actually, when we do another one of the Sonic Touch shows. Uh, back on track with that. Thank you very much, Gaz, for joining us. And your video is awesome i can now see the full hd love ah, of your uh, a... your core i7 17 inch laptop it's looking good ah, yes but the light is rapidly fading so ah yes oh well, that's maybe that's what it is it was too bright for the camera it closed down i will also say thank you very much to mark tinley for joining us like being.com thank you there mark um i can see you there in your uh, in your kitchen i'm guessing with your skype I, phone yeah you're very welcome i am in my kitchen <clears throat> um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad oh, you could make it. We haven't gone. Back. I can't think of anything to say. We've gone back like 200 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to say goodbye. It's just so hard. But anyway, next episode uh, you will see <laughs> you will see a different background, and it'll probably be a much more echoey room. That's assuming everything goes as it should. Because when uh, when we're out of here on Friday, that's kind of it. You know, I might be back here, but I've got to get all the computers set up for next Monday so that the broadband is going to come in. But thank you very much, Mark. And we'll also yeah, say thank you very much to PJ Tracy uh, from uh, PJ Tracy Music. Um, uh, where's his lowest <coughs> word there? It's just there. PJ Tracy. PJ Tracy Sound. That's right. Your new URL. Thank you very much for joining us, PJ. It's been a pleasure. Nick, thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Wonderful talking with you and good luck with your move. Thank you very much. I'll let you know how it goes next week. Uh, we'll see. But uh, it'll be, uh, yes, I think a much bigger echoey space. I haven't got a carpet sorted out yet. And also we'll say thank you to Rich Hilton uh, from uh, Hiltonius.com. Uh, thank you very much for joining us this week, Rich. I uh, hope you've uh, got uh, now off to, to do more fantastic things in the studio, although your video keeps popping in and out. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I'll switch to your icon at the very least sorry 
I'm having a little trouble there with the video. Uh, well, that's all right. It seems to be uh, a common theme in Skype at the moment. I'm not quite sure why that is. Hopefully all of this, again, will be uh, sorted out for next week and we won't have any more trouble with, uh, with Skype because we have masses of bandwidth. That's assuming it all works as it's advertised. But I think we get um, 14 megabits up and 40 down. So that's quite an improvement over where we are. We'll see. Okay, um, that was Sonic Talk number 253. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Um, And we'll see you next week.